Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad to have you here today. I tell you, it's springtime in Augusta, and there's not, no better place to be than here at the creek. As Sarah said, we are continuing our series called You Make Me Crazy. This is a series about relationships, and our goal is, is to help strengthen relationships from the inside out. Before we dive in today's topic, you know, I like to start with something funny. Did you hear about the pastor that uh, had his remaining teeth pulled and it was fitted for an, a new set of dentures? Well, the first Sunday after that, he preached for about 10 minutes. The second Sunday, he preached 20 minutes. The third Sunday, he preached an hour and a half. Now, after preaching an hour and a half, one of the deacons was at the stage and said, you know, what's going on? He said, well, he said, honestly, he said, after the first Sunday, he said, my, uh, my gums hurt so bad I couldn't preach, uh, but 10 minutes. He said, the second week, he said, my dentures were moving around, and, and I, I was able to make it 20 minutes. He said, the third week, he said, I'll tell you, I was in a hurry. I grabbed my wife's dentures, and I just couldn't stop talking. <laughs> well, last summer, we, uh, <clears throat> Patty and I love HGTV, and we were watching a brand-new series based out of South Carolina called Breaking Bland. And the designer on this series is Mary Welch, and she would introduce the series every, every show with these words. She said, you know, in the South, we like to hide our crazy. And I thought about that a lot because, you know, we do. We like to hide our crazy. But there's a lot of folks in the South that don't hide their crazy. They put their crazy out on display for everybody to see it. And I'll tell you, sometimes these people are the ones that drive you crazy, it could be a friend, it could be a coworker, it could be somebody that shows up at your house once a year during the holidays. But they are focused on making your life difficult. Now, it's my desire in this series to help bring sanity to your relationships so that you not only can just coexist, but you can connect on a deeper level. The big idea for this series is this, relationships take hard work. Relationships take hard work, but it's the most important work that you'll ever do. When your relationships are bad, your life is miserable. But when you have healthy relationships, uh, they will make your life better. And so I just want to help you have better relationships. I want to help you grow closer together and learn how to get along together. I think all of us deal with the the crazy makers in this world. And a crazy maker can enter, um, come into your life, and it's like in uh, a minute and a half, all of a sudden can turn a happy, peaceful situation into a situation that's full of anger and contention. We've all seen that happen. And so how do you handle that? How do you handle uh, the anger that you may feel because somebody has invaded your life or how do you diffuse it to try to protect those that are around you? Those are just things that we deal with. Because you see, anger is not good or bad. Anger is just an emotion. But there is an appropriate kind of anger, and then there's an inappropriate kind of anger. 
We see an appropriate kind, we call it a righteous anger, would be an example with Jesus. Jesus goes into the temple. He sees the money changers. He's get angry. He turns over their tables and he said, look, this is going to be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And so he used that energy. But oftentimes in our world and in our culture, we see the opposite. We see this unrighteous anger that comes in to affects and to bring hurt and difficulty and not appropriate. Now, on the righteous side, all of us feel anger at times when maybe we've been treated unjustly or maybe, uh, let's say, a family member's um, in danger. Or maybe you're mad because somebody's attacking a child or a grandchild or so forth. I'll tell you, this past Christmas, we went to Old Town Bluffton for pizza one night, and it was Sarah and Drew and the three grandkids and, and Patty and myself. And so we parked the car, and as we're getting out of the car, there are these two large trucks that drove by, and these uh, young 20-something people, I guess they were involved in road rage or whatever, they were yelling at each other, and of course, I heard all that, saw all that. I thought, I'm going to get a table at the pizza place, and so I just moved on and focused on the end result, and that is feeding the family, which is important. But Patty... um, whose grandmother name is Sugar, okay? So Sugar, um, she decided to invite herself into their conversation. And so these guys get out of the truck, and they're using foul language, um, and she invites herself uh, uh, into the conversation, and she says, y'all, hush, hush. There are children around here. Like they even heard her. I'm sure in her mind she was yelling and her voice was going over a loudspeaker. But little sugar, she said, hush, there are children around here. I'm going to call the police. They, they never knew. And so she, sure enough, she called the police. And, and they said, do you want to fill out a report? She said, I just want you to know before I put them in timeout. Well, she didn't really say that, but she did call the police. But she invited herself into that situation because she was trying to protect the grandkids. I was trying to feed them. And so both of them are important. You know, I think there are times when we all need to have some righteous anger. When somebody is is hurting our children or our grandchildren, when we see racism in our communities, when we see babies who are aborted, when we see uh, people who go to bed hungry, we should have some righteous anger that, that stirs us to move to action. So there's a part of that. When we think about anger that way, anger can be a sign of love, that we love someone so much that we're willing to step in their situation and to bring help. And so that's the appropriate use. But there is an unrighteous approach to anger. That's when anger is hurtful. This emotion is used to hurt people or when anger is out of control. We see that a lot in the culture where anger is just out of control. When I think about that and I think about examples in the Bible, there are are four types of people or four types of anger that I see repeated over and over. And I'm sure there's more than this. But just for today's purposes, there are four types of anger I want to talk about. And as we talk about this, just understand that when I look at it, I probably have been involved in each one of these types. 
in my own life. And, you know, maybe you have been on one or two or maybe all four. But we all go through phases of our situations that we, uh, we deal with anger this, this way. The first one would be an exploder. You know, these are the people that just let you have it. They cuss, they yell, they stomp their feet, they throw things, they hit, they do whatever. They just explode in, in anger. Uh, they're like a, a walking time bomb. And it's very obvious, it's obvious to everybody that they're mad. And their behavior goes from really just basic anger to the next level, it goes to rage. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 8, it says, But now you must also rid yourself of all such things, such as anger. But then he goes to the next level, rage, then malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. So we look at this rage. What is rage? Rage is anger when it's expressed. Rage is this outward explosive type of anger. It's in that moment that that person goes temporarily insane. They lose control of what uh, they're saying and possibly lose control of their very actions. This is what happened to Woody Hayes. Now, most of you are too old to remember Woody Hayes. Woody Hayes was the very famous football coach uh, from Ohio State. In fact, he served Ohio State University for 28 years as the coach. But it was well known that Woody Hayes had an anger issue. And one, um, he had a great career, but his anger issue eventually cost him his job. Um, I remember that day. I was there. I was there the day it happened. It happened in 1978 at the Gator Bowl. The Clemson University Tigers were playing the Ohio State Buckeyes, and and the second half, the Ohio State quarterback threw an interception. And this enraged Woody Hayes so much that he ran out to the Clemson player that intercepted the ball, and he slugged him. He hit the player on the field. Well, the next day, he had to resign. And it was all over the papers and everything else. And, and what we see is one moment of anger ended his career. But Woody Hayes isn't the only one. I mean, we see this all the time. We see it in the Alec Baldwins, and we see it in the uh, Charlie Sheens and the Chris Browns. I mean, the, the list can go on and on. It's, it's these people who just let it fly. So rage is that anger expressed. But let's look at the next word. It says anger, rage, and malice. That takes us to our second category. That is the suppressors. The first one is the expressors. Now these are the suppressors. Rage is anger, anger expressed, but malice is anger suppressed. Sometimes when we get in a volatile situation, the best thing that we can do is to just be quiet and just suppress any uh, anger that we have, any kind of torrent of negative words against the person or something like that. Um, and when we do that, we're suppressing our feelings. Now, that is good for a moment, but we can't live that way. But the suppressor type of individuals, oftentimes, these are the people that they don't blow up, they clam up. These are the people that they don't get violent, they get silent. 
and they hold it in, and so many times they live in denial and refuse to admit that they're angry. They act like, oh, it's no big deal. But that anger is on the inside, and they start to stew, and they start to simmer. It's just uh, like acid burning on the inside, but they keep it hidden. Every time you swallow your anger, your stomach keeps score. Every time you swallow that and, and you don't deal with the anger on the inside and you don't let it out in appropriate ways, it's going to affect your health. Eventually, it will give you high blood pressure. Eventually, you'll end up with chronic pain or something. Eventually, uh, it will affect you. You'll have tension headaches or maybe ulcers or something like that because if it is on the inside, it's, it's going to do damage. Two weeks ago, I talked to you about anger turned inward is bitterness. And the Bible says that if you allow a root of bitterness to spring up in your soul, it will not only affect you, but it will defile many people around you. Your body was not meant to hold on to that kind of anger. You've got to find a place. And maybe this is the moment that you get a good Christian counselor and you learn to work through that. You, you release that. Or you find a, a, a small group where it is safe, where you can um, release that in an appropriate way. But you need healing. You can't suppress those things. You, you've got to... Uh, allow it to, uh, to come out. And so we, we've talked about the expressors and the suppressors. Now, the third group, we, I would call the martyrs. Now, the martyrs are pros at having pity parties. They just love to have a pity party. I mean, when a crazy maker comes into a martyr's life, they don't say, you're crazy. No, they said, what did I do wrong? I must have done something wrong. I must have made a mistake here. What's wrong with me? It's all my fault. And you start to blame yourself for the crazy actions of somebody else. And you blame yourself for that, and then you, there's anger that's involved in that. And that, that martyr gets, gets mad, and they don't want anybody else to be happy. And they'll do whatever they can to spoil the party. An example of this in the Bible is, is in Luke chapter 15. It's the story of the prodigal son. We know that. It's a very famous story where a father has two sons, and the younger son comes to the father and said, Father, can you give me my part of the estate? And so the father gave him his part of the estate, and the Bible says that he went to a distant land, and he blew, he wasted all that money on wine, women, and song. There came a point where things went from bad to worse, and this young man found himself homeless working in a, on a pig farm, and he came to his senses and said, I'm going to go home to my father. And when he came back to the father, and we love this part, the father says, welcome home. Welcome home. Somebody kill the fatty calf. Somebody get a robe, put the ring on. We're, my son was dead, now he's alive again. Now, we love that story because we see that God is a God that welcomes um, backslidden people back home. And we love that story. But a part of the story that we never really focus on is the reaction of the older brother. Now, the older brother was ticked off that his younger brother took half of the family's money and squandered it. And when he comes home, 
He was mad at his dad for allowing him even to come home. And finally, he went to his dad and he said, you never threw a party for me. I'm the good boy. I'm the good son. He gets all the the glory and everything, and I'm the good one. And and what we see here, he's an example uh, of using his anger as a martyr. We see in in Luke chapter 15 and verse 28, it says, the older brother became angry and refused to go in to the party. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Now, do you have anybody in your family like that? That you have to coax and you have to plead and you have to pamper. You have to walk on eggshells around them. If they're not happy, they don't want anybody else happy. And they focus and they major on trying to ruin all of the family parties. Okay? They're angry. And what you really want to say is take them to the side, okay, tell me what you're angry about. Because this pity party that you're throwing is a a sign that there's a deep-seated spirit of anger inside of you. So they're a martyr. They're they're taking on uh, blame and everything else. Here's the fourth group. It's the manipulators. Now, the motto of a manipulator is don't get mad, just get even. Uh, That reminds me of this husband that said to his wife, he says, Honey, when I get mad at you, you never fight back. How do you control your anger? I just don't understand it. She said, I like to clean the toilet. Clean the toilet? What do you mean? How does that help? She said, I use your toothbrush. (laughs) She doesn't like to get mad. She wants to get even. You better get a new toothbrush. But a manipulator, what is that? Manipulators will never tell you face-to-face that they're angry with you, but instead they they will work behind the scenes uh, to create pain, painful situations for you. They're going to sabotage you. They're going to use sarcasm. They'll use wisecracks. They're working behind the scenes. And when you confront them, they'll they'll deny it. Then they'll say, oh, can't you take a joke? You mean you can't take a joke? I was just kidding, but they were not kidding. They were, they were manipulators, and they were working behind the scenes, working against you. You know, religious people can do this quite well. They'll say, oh, I was so grieved in my spirit. No, you weren't grieved in your spirit. You are just mad. You've got to learn how to deal with that instead of trying to manipulate the situation or manipulate people's emotions. Now, Jesus had to deal with it because the Pharisees were, uh, were the king of uh, manipulation. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 11, it says, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious, they were angry, and they began to discuss with one another how, uh, what they might do to Jesus. One version of the Bible says, And they plotted against Jesus. They were manipulating. They were trying to hurt him. They were working behind the scenes to try to kill him, and ultimately they did. So there's four groups, exploders, suppressors, martyrs, and manipulators. Those are four common examples of how people use their anger in inappropriate ways. They they may be common, but they're not the best way. 
And it's so important that we learn to control our anger because here's the point. If you don't learn to control your anger, your anger will eventually control you. If you don't learn to control your anger, your anger will eventually control you. So how do you do it? How do you handle anger? There's four things. Now, I just want to, before we dive into this, understand this. What the Bible says, all of us deal with anger. In fact, the Bible says, you know, just be angry and sin not. Don't, Don't fall into sin when you are angry. So just, I'm saying this to all of us. I could see myself in all of those four different types of groups. I've been in every one of those groups before. And so just maybe you see yourself in that, or maybe you've seen yourself dealing with this. And so just don't say, as you're listening to this message, man, I wish so-and-so was here. They sure need to hear this message. And they probably do. But let's say, God, speak to me. Is there anything that I need to deal with in my heart? And so we want to just go a little deeper within uh, some, with some soul introspection here. So how do you handle it? First of all, I want you to count the cost of the anger. I want you to count the cost. <clears throat> when somebody's demonstrating anger towards you, it is very easy for you to respond the same way. But before you get mad, I just want you to step back and think about it. In Proverbs 29 and 22, it says, An angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. A hot-tempered person commits many sins. And so if I am going to get angry here, I'm going to get in trouble because my anger will probably lead me down to extra arguments and and situations and uh, places that I don't need to be in. So what happens? What do you do in those situations? I would say call a timeout. Call an emotional timeout. If you're in a conversation with somebody and you sense that that conversation is being elevated with this negative emotional energy, this anger, it's building up on the inside of you and you feel this, I want you to step away from that conversation. I want you to step away from it. Or maybe you're arguing with your mate and you can see that this conversation is going to a place it doesn't need to go. I need you to step and go to another room and cool off. Or maybe you're at work this week and you're in this this confrontation with those people who are in authority over you and you are going back and forth. I want you to take an emotional time out. I want you to say, hey, let me go back to my office and I'll get back with you on this. Maybe you're on a phone call. That's when you say, look, I've got to go right now, but we can talk about this later. You've got to take a time out. Removing yourself from a volatile situation is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of wisdom. So step away from that. Listen to the words of of Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 11. It said, sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Sensible people do that. Here's the second thing. As you're taking this emotional time out and you're stepping away from this conversation, 
I don't want you just to be sitting on the sidelines, but I want you to, to work. I want you to, secondly, to investigate the cause of your anger. You know, this is the time that you analyze what's really going on here. Analyze why are you really angry. In doing this, I want you to ask yourself two questions. The first question is, what's the real cause of my anger? Why am I so angry here? It could be this person uh, has created this injustice and you're trying to make things right and, and rightly so. Or it could be that they have touched a nerve that they didn't even realize they touched. It is something that happened in your life a long time ago with a different person. But yet you're unloading this tension, this negative spirit uh, onto this and creating this angry outburst. So just ask yourself, what's the real cause of my anger? The second question I want you to ask yourself is that do I have complete and accurate information? Nothing is worse than jumping into an argument when you don't have all the information that you need to have. And we are tempted to do that more times than we want to admit. We jump to conclusions when we don't have all the facts. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 13 said, Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Shameful and foolish. So be patient here. Investigate the cause of anger. Analyze the situation. Because typically... Anger is caused by one of three things. Anger is caused by hurt. You've been hurt by somebody, something. Maybe you've been hurt by a plant being closed and you lost your job. You've been hurt by uh, a relationship, a marriage, or whatever. You've been hurt by something. It's real, and you feel that pain. Or you're angry because of a frustration. You're frustrated at something. Something doesn't work. You're, you're angry at this computer program or you're angry at this lawnmower or whatever, and it escalates. I mean, you, you're frustrated with this situation. Or the third thing is uh, fear. You're afraid of something. And fear causes this negative emotion to come up and, and uh, this anger to develop. Now, when we're afraid, we simply feel threatened. And when we feel threatened, we... Naturally, we fight back. But before you do that, I want you to think. I want you to think before you react. Just think about it. Think about it and ask yourself, am I hurt? Am I, am I frustrated? Am I afraid of something? And then think about the person that you are angry with. Are they hurt? Are they frustrated? Are they afraid of something? Just kind of take this moment to investigate what's really the cause of this anger. You know, Thomas Jefferson was not a theologian at all, but he had some wisdom when it comes to anger. He says, when you're angry, count to 10. He said, but if you're really angry, you need to count to 100. There's some of us that need to count to 100. We need to just pause for a moment we need to be patient, and we need to try to analyze the situation and understand. The more you understand, the more understanding you will be. Here's the third thing. Don't associate with angry people. Don't associate with angry people. 
you know, this is not just good advice. This is God's word. In Proverbs chapter 22, in verse 24, it says, Do not befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people. Don't, do, don't go there. Because here's the point. is Those people that you associate with, they're either going to elevate you or they're going to tear you down. I think Jim Rohn is one that said that, that you will become the average of the five people you hang out with the most. And if you're constantly hanging out with people who are hot-tempered and filled with anger, that spirit is going to be transferred over to you. And you need to guard your heart to keep that negative spirit from being released in your life. And so just be careful. Be careful. I mean, some of it is that, uh, you know, you work with somebody that has a short fuse and you have to learn how to navigate that. Maybe some of you live with somebody that has a short fuse. You have to navigate that. But guard yourself. Let me say this. If you're dating and you're single right now and you're dating somebody and you see this, this pent-up anger, I want you to be careful with that. Because when you are dating, you're on your best behavior. And so you need to be very aware of that. And, and if you can't find healing, in, um, you need to move on. Now, let me say this. We're, we're bringing up this subject here, and you really can't cover everything in a 30-minute sermon. This message is designed really to, to help bring up the conversation. But once again, you may need to sit down with a Christian counselor, or maybe you need to get in one of our small groups. One of our most effective small groups is the freedom groups. And in, in freedom groups, it's, uh, it's a 13-week curriculum where uh, you come to terms with those things that have happened to you and you come to terms with those things that hold you back and you truly get free of that. And so that may be your next step. Here's the fourth and final one is this. I want you to learn to overlook the minor offenses and be willing to forgive the major ones. Now, all of us have minor offenses that make us angry every week. I mean, there could be little things that just get under your skin. I mean, it could be somebody who's late for uh, an appointment and it makes you mad, or somebody that uh, didn't remember a birthday, or somebody that didn't um, answer a phone call. You know, it's those type of things that are like emotional bruises along the way. And those emotional bruises can, can turn into anger. And I would just say to you, take a deep breath. And let the small stuff be small stuff. You need to overlook some of those offenses. You know, give grace. My goodness, you really don't know what that other person is going through. You may not know what they have faced right before you tried to call them. And so just give them some grace along the way. Overlook some of the minor stuff. Let's keep the minor stuff minor stuff. Now, on the flip side, there, there are some major issues. And I want you to be willing to forgive major ones or at least work toward forgiving major ones. Now, what are major ones? Well, you know what major ones are. Maybe it's uh, unfaithfulness in a relationship. Maybe it is uh, you lost your job, your dream job that you, you, 
you loved having that job and now you don't have it again. Now you don't have it. It's those, maybe a parent uh, was abusive to you. It's all of those, those things that are big deals. And it's those things that more than likely, it's going to take more than one prayer to get through. It's going to take a prayer today. And I believe that uh, you can say, okay, I'm going to forgive them. And today you, we're going to pray a prayer at the end and you're going to forgive that person. And everything's good until Thursday rolls around and something jars your memory and you've got to deal with that again. Because you're working through that. You're learning how to walk out forgiveness for those major things. We've got to learn how to forgive. Ephesians 4 and 32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. We forgive because God has forgiven us. Now let's talk about healing for a moment. Well, let me go back. Let me say this about forgiveness. So many times we feel like forgiveness is forgetting something somebody's ever done anything. It's not that at all. When you forgive someone, you're not denying the hurt or the reality of the hurt. You're not diminishing that in any way. You're not even letting go of that desire to see that person brought to justice for what they've done to you. When you forgive someone, you're giving up the right to vengeance. And you're understanding that the Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And you're placing this in in God's hands. And, And you're saying, God, I am turning this situation over to you, and I'm going to let you deal with it. You're giving up your right to deal with that. You're not denying it happened, but you're giving up your right to deal with it. And let me say this. God will settle the score. God will settle the account. He will bring every, all of us will be brought into account. And understand this, God doesn't always settle his accounts at the end of the week or the end of the month or the end of the quarter or even the end of the year, but God will settle the accounts. And we've got to come to the place where we allow him that space to do that. God, that you can settle that account and that we trust him, we give this situation over to him. That's what it means to just really to, to to give the hurt, the pain, the frustration over. So the question is, as we prepare for prayer today, are you hurt? Are you frustrated? And are you afraid? Are you hurt today? I want to pray that God brings healing to you. Are you frustrated? I want to pray that God brings peace to you. Are you afraid? I want to pray that God brings comfort to you. Because you see, this anger is coming because you're hurt, afraid, or frustrated. All of us have felt those emotions before. All of us have been hurt, we've been afraid, and we've been frustrated Today, we're going to ask God to come and bring peace to us. If we can find peace on the inside, 
That's half the battle. And that's where we want to start. Let's all stand together. I want to pray over you, but as we begin this prayer, I want you to offer up your words. What are you hurt about? What are you frustrated with? Or who are you frustrated with? And what are you afraid of? I want you to be honest. And I just want to see you just say, God, I'm hurt because of this. I'm frustrated because of this. I'm afraid of this. And I want you to be honest. And then we're going to pray for God to, in his grace, that he would bring help in our time of need. Let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Father, today as a congregation, we bow our heads in prayer, asking you to help us. I pray, Father, for people in this room who have been hurt. All of us have been hurt, God, but there are people today that are naming specific things that they have been wounded deep inside. And I ask, God, that you would touch them at the point of their need. I pray that you would go into their yesterdays, and God, that you would bring emotional and uh, healing and a healing of their memories. God, I ask that you would right the wrong. Father, I pray for those that are frustrated. There are some here that are frustrated because they feel stuck where they are. God, I ask that you would open a door that they're to walk through. And that even as some feel like they are stuck in that waiting room that you would be there as they wait. Father, I pray for those that are so afraid. They're afraid of what may happen in this world, what may happen at work, what may happen when they get home. It's just like that fear has immobilized them. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would push back the fear, that you'd bring comfort. We cry out to you, Lord, today, and we ask that you'd help. Have mercy on us. And today we pray that your peace that passes all human understanding would cover us. And so we receive this peace in Jesus' name. I want you to pray that. Say, I receive peace in Jesus' name. Say that again. Say, God, I receive your peace in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, go with us this day and let us carry this peace and this message to others in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks so much for being here today. And as we continue our series next week, um, just remember what I said. This is more than just a 30-minute talk, but this is something where we're learning to process this and learning what it means to walk it out. So I pray God's blessings on you. I hope you have a great week. Look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.